There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Ashley Nelson is a seasoned global public relations maven, brand strategist, and creative consultant specializing in fashion, fitness, travel, and lifestyle industries. Ashley is the founder of 10th on the Hudson, a luxury travel and wellness consultancy based in Brooklyn, an articulate storyteller with PR and marketing experience from 10 years at top PR agencies. Her career was formed from working at Weber Shandwick, Edelman, and HL Group. Having started her career in the early stages of influencer marketing, Ashley paved the way and developed influencer programming for iconic brands. Ashley's ability to stay on top of the ever-changing communications and marketing industry blends the gray area between public relations, marketing, and influencer relations in a dynamic and unique way. The result is reflected not only in her professional career, but also in her personal passion project, On the Ten, allowing her to speak the message and languages of client, influencer, and agency. Thank you so much for joining on today's episode. How are you? I'm good. It's so nice to be here, and it's so nice to finally meet you, Jesse. Same, same. Oh. I'm so glad we've been connected. And I we know. Can have you on the <laughs> podcast today? It worked out exceptionally well. It did. It did. So I feel like I personally have so many questions to ask you today. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to diving into it. You know, from one woman to another who like owns your own business and you know has been in this industry for quite a while. I think you have so many words of wisdom to to give to the people who are <laughs> listening today. But before we dive into a few questions that I have, just tell everyone listening like a little bit about your story. We heard your intro, but I always like to hear from your own words. Just a little bit about you and kind of how you ended up where you are today. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's how much time do we have here? Um, I will, I will make it as brief um, as possible. But I started my company Tenth on Hudson uh, roughly about four years ago, and that was after a nice long period in different PR agencies um, and really being in the forefront of influencer marketing and social media and digital marketing. That was, you know, eons ago is what it seems like. And, and as I was saying to you a minute ago. It, Feels like I've had six different career reiterations uh, in the time that um, you know I've been working for myself after college and uh, through all of my tenures at, at different PR agencies. And so now I finally um, I've kind of honed in on what Tenth on Hudson is truly about and. Primarily focused on travel and wellness. We do everything from full digital marketing and social media strategies to influencer relations. And we recently actually just took on a new PR client. So it'll be combined PR and uh, influencer initiatives for them. But I really love what I do. And it's for me, it's kind of going into two different worlds that um, I'm very personally passionate about and making sure that those industries are thriving and have an understanding of what um, it means to be playing in the social media and influencer marketing and at times also just traditional PR um, spaces because I think a lot of them don't know where to even begin at times. They don't, do they? <laughs> no, <laughs> they, don't. they don't. I'm doing um, – so I do social media coaching and influencer marketing workshops and uh, I send around questionnaires typically before each of those. And the questions that get asked to me, you sit there and go, okay, they really need this. They, they, cause they don't. They, I think they get a little bit debilitated in even thinking about it. It seems overwhelming in terms of how do you work with an influencer? How do I start a social strategy? So it's, 
um, I found a need for in those particular industries, especially. And so talk to us a little bit about you. You know, you, you've worked at some really incredible places but, and the culmination <laughs> of all of that is 10th on Hudson. Yes. And so, you know, you've been talking about, you know, as you sort of get your footing and you have this idea, um, but then you, you find or found, have found your more of your specialty yeah. recently. Talk to us about that process. So. When I left college, I came to New York and said, okay, I'm going to work for a big PR agency and I, that's all I want to do. And, you know, I didn't know what that really looked like, but that was, I was gung ho on making that happen. And, um, I made that happen for nine years and loved it, got unbelievable experience with some of the largest companies in the world. And to your point, you know, was able to work for some of the most incredible PR agencies. Um, and that really kind of laid the groundwork for where I was. Um, except I hit burnout nine years in and said, I am not happy. I didn't really necessarily have a plan, but what I did know was that what I was doing was not fulfilling. And in hindsight, I wish that somebody had said to me a few years before, leave, save yourself. You can do whatever you want to do. You can, you can, you know, reevaluate, reevaluate your career decisions. Because I think when you're in a very secure, stable company job and you're going to work and, you know, you've got the solid paycheck, I think it's, it's very difficult to leave that and not everybody will understand your decision. So fast forward when I left, I remember going in and, you know, just, I was unhappy and, I had been taking, of all things, a workout class and had become friends with the founder of the of the class. And she'd become kind of a just a mentor, big sister figure, if you will. Uh, she'd murder me if she heard me say the big sister comment. But um, <laughs> she's, she's a dear friend of mine still. And I just went to her and I said, is anybody doing anything for you in terms of, you know, talking to influencers? Because it wasn't – she had PR, but it wasn't – and I – I have my own passion project is also my own side hustle, Instagram. I have my own travel and lifestyle website as well. And so that's how I had connected through her um, was I was just like, can I take your classes? And so ultimately, I, she ended up being my first client. And we were doing these six-week workout challenges. And I was inviting influencers in to just be a part of it. You know, hey, if you guys can talk about it or give us one post. And eventually that evolved into, um, you know, a series of like different opportunities over the past four years and um, doing a lot of consulting work for agencies that needed more senior leadership to come in and, and help carve out the paths for their influencer marketing. And then, you know, I think probably about a year ago, I really figured out that I wanted to do travel and wellness specifically. Very, very passionate about it. I'd been doing it for myself and then pitching my services to properties or to destinations. So I was like, there's a need for this. Um, and so that's where eventually we are today is now I have a total of six clients um, and two part-time team members, about to be a third part-time team member, and we're growing. And, and it's very, very exciting. And like I said, we kind of, you know, or I've kind of had a number of evolutions of 10th on Hudson, and I finally feel like that it's in a, it's where it needs to be. It's where I've wanted it to always be. But it took, you know, you take on projects and say, okay, let me see if this is going to work. Let me, it's like trying on a pair of jeans. Like, ah, oh, this might be the right fit. Oh, this might be the right fit. 35 fits, you know, tries on later. You're at, sure. okay, this is great. Let's, let's go with this one. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, what drove that decision. I mean, of yours personally, right. but I, I've heard a lot of people come on and I'll even speak personally. Like sometimes it's, out of fear of starting a new business and you're like, it's, I just need to make money and have clients. So 100%. I'm just going to accept business wherever business comes yeah. or, you know, I want to be open-minded yeah. or whatever we tell ourselves. Exactly. Well, and, you know, I think it's funny that you say that, uh, you know, you take on clients whenever you, you can because you feel that when you work for yourself, there's this like fear of not having enough work. And oftentimes we consume ourselves with too much work. But um, about a year into running my own business, I was on a project for an agency and I was helping with their influencer marketing and developing kind of what their strategy needed to be, what their ambassador program was really going to be shaped like, how they were going to work with influencers. And at that time, I caught one of the influencers that had been in their contract uh, in breach of contract. 
got on the phone with her. She had, A, no idea that there was an exclusivity clause. She had no idea that she had basically signed her soul and all of her images. And and she unfortunately did not know even where to begin. And she was like, can I hire you to help me? And so that, interestingly enough, spiraled into me managing a number of um, influencers, which was an interesting uh, direction for my career to go and an interesting direction for also my company to go. But it made a lot of sense because I held the relationships. I knew how to negotiate contracts. I knew also how to reevaluate the worth of these influencers that unfortunately, you know, she had charged did 12 blog posts for $1,200 over the course of a year with like exclusivity, all image rights, you know, all of the things that we in influencer marketing sit there and just go, oh no, you've, you've signed into what? And um, she was like, you know, wonderful, wonderful client. But over, I had managed influencers for about two years and realized this was not it had turned that had turned into an abusive relationship, you know. You're, and how so? How so? Talk to us a little um, bit about how you decided that it wasn't a fit for you. I so I always went in in a very um, transparent manner, and that's how I've always been. Um, I was only going to represent mom influencers, um, so that there was no that I wanted one niche, and and that's what that initial first client had been. We worked with you know a variety of different clients um, from a brand side and an agency side, but the influencers themselves needed to have a niche. And simply because of where Jessica, her niche was and and who her recommended you know friends were that ended up being clients of mine, um, that was the direction I took it. I think they took advantage of the situation a lot. And I think that they there were a few of them that just did not value what an agent does for them. And you could triple their income and they would never be fully satisfied because what I found was that they're moms, right? And they've got a lot on their plates. Oftentimes they need to be outsourcing to an assistant and, you know, there's a husband at home or, or a significant other or partner of some sort um, that's asking what's going on and maybe is not as supportive of their dreams and, and, and the amazing, incredible work that these women are doing. Um, and so oftentimes it became, you got kind of pulled in as like a middleman, third party, trying to justify your fee, but also showing that you've tripled their income. And these are the amazing partnerships that they were getting. And yes, they were able to go on these trips, but you know, there were, there were just a lot of other political things that I think were involved that I had not anticipated. Um, I think my, my, uh, breaking point on the representation of influencers was getting three phone calls on a Monday morning at five 30 in the morning, uh, because somebody had missed her flight to New York, not coming for a project that I had booked her on or anything, you know, and she wanted me to help rebook her flight. And I was like, you know, I think that there's maybe a disconnect here and, um, you know, what my role is with you. Um, and, and it had kind of been an ongoing, like interesting, like evolution of, and, and oftentimes I see this influencers don't know how to work with their agents and they don't know how to handle those relationships. And, you know, where do you draw the line? And that was an even bigger thing was, at what point in time, you know, I, I'd gone to bat for these influencers with relationships of mine and those relationships were coming back and saying, hey, we we love you, but your client just blasted JetBlue all over Instagram and you're going, how do I go back and course correct what someone has done? And so um, I decided, you know, a little while ago that that wasn't as much as I loved working with a different variety of clients, it just was not the right fit. Well, I um, find this so fascinating for a lot of reasons. Yeah. One of which I just – I what I hear is that, you know, you enjoyed and wanted to do it for mm-hmm. so many reasons. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like just from a business perspective – it didn't make sense after a while. And so talk about that a little bit. No, absolutely. You know, I think when we build our own businesses as females, I think we're also very hesitant to make any quick decisions. You want to give everything a duration, or at least I did. I wanted to give it a duration of time to see if it was a fit. Because when I left corporate, I had done so many things at Weber Shanwick and at Edelman and HL Group and Iconics, and it was great. But I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I'd had all of those years of being given the opportunity to test different things out. And so the influencer, managing the influencers in particular, it just got to a point where it was kind of the requests were coming in that were, you know, 
again, you sit there and go, is this, is this worth a, my, my time and my energy and also running the risk of ruining my relationships that I've built and established over my entire course of my career. If these clients aren't respectful of those relationships, like where is that balance there? You know, and, and I kept one client on for a long period of time. Um, and she was wonderful and she was fantastic. And I had told her, I was like, you're going to be the only one. And, and last year, probably in January is when we actually finally were like, this just isn't what I want to do. I very much enjoy going in and creating the strategies and helping build out what the programming needs to be and going in and, you know, talking through with brands that have maybe never worked with influencers, like best practices, because I've been on so many different sides of influencer marketing. Um, and it just, for me, I kind of just said, you know, what I, what I really want to do is, is X, Y, and Z and not managing the talent. <laughs> I mean, it's so interesting because I, you know, I've heard a lot of people express this, quite a few, um, who manage influencers who have had very similar experiences yeah. to your own. And, um, I don't know. I look at most everything as like opportunities, right? right? Like when the the best influencers I've personally ever worked with, it's a true partnership. That's 100%. always how I've described it. Yeah. And, you know, they're doing what they do best. You're doing what you do best. Most most people have, you know, the either you were talking about an influencer might have an assistant as well. Right. And the agency might have, you know, assistants and other capacities. And basically everybody is coming to the table and attacking right. the the whole, you know, their careers in a multitude of different ways. Yeah. And together, the, that's where the magic happens. Exactly. But I thought I, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, it's 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 interesting what fear does to people. That's my interpretation of so right. much breakdown and disconnect mm-hmm. with things similar to what you're talking yeah. about. You know, it's like so and so is fearful that it's been a little quiet for a while and always looking for someone to blame. <laughs> or, yes. you know, the brand is fearful. There's just, there's fear going around. Yeah. And like, I don't know, what are your thoughts on how to get ahead of that in your experience? I think, you know, in, I, I wish that I had told myself earlier in my career, you know, to, to get over the fear of failure or the fear of, of this or the fear of that, because fear is you have to take risks is what I've learned. And in, in an industry such as what we're in, things are constantly evolving and changing on a day-to-day basis. There is no, there's no textbook version of what we do anymore. Um, and I think, you know, with so many of, so many of my clients in different, in different respects have been very fearful to take on services and to take on this or to do this. And, you know, even with a paid influencer programming, I just had a small brand that I worked with over the holidays. And I said, trust me on this. These are the influencers you need to partner with. Well, we're fearful that they're not going to deliver. Okay. Well, how can we, and I think the biggest thing for me is how can you approach that fear from a different perspective so that you're putting that fear behind you and and putting everyone at ease because that's what I felt like I just didn't have that in the initial stages of my, of building my company and I think for a long time I was also fearful of committing personally I was com- fearful of committing to one particular category and saying one per- this is the only thing I'm going to do and um, yeah I think I, I I hate the word fear and you know I think it holds so many of us back, but it's to your point, you hear it all the time from everyone. And especially, you know, with what we're doing, everybody's fearful to invest too much money here or fearful to, you know, sign on to X, Y, and Z influencers or, you know, and a lot of things are unknown. So there is a big level of fear. And and not to say that the best way to approach it is to just get over it, but I think it's just looking at how to approach it differently and saying, what can I do to ease those fears of either myself or my clients or, you know, the other people on, on the other end, you know, a lot of times I'm also going to an influencer and saying, I don't have a huge budget, but you have to trust that. And I think trust is a very big thing in terms of that particular conversation is I will bring something else to you when you are the right fit for that. And we will make sure that there is, you know, that there's consistency in our working relationship together. And and I found that over the years, my relationships have become so strong that that does work at times. And other times there might be an agent that's like, absolutely not, you know, her fee or his fee. Um, But I'm like, let's just trust. (laughs) 
let's trust. Let's and I'll, trust. And, you know, <laughs> and let's be honest too, when it comes to, you know, those times when it is fairly quiet business-wise for an influencer yeah. and those times where they're feeling a little fearful that things are slow, maybe they're kicking themselves and they should have maybe accepted yeah. a thing or here or just like recognize the value of the bigger picture relationship right. versus always being so, you know, this is my fee or nothing. It's right. this, that, or, you know, right. or, or we're moving on. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think that to your point, like you can't just say like it's a this or nothing conversation at this point in time. It, if you want to work with a brand or you want to work with an influencer, you have to be open to negotiation and open to just having a con- – like keeping that, the lines of communication open doesn't matter what industry you're in. I think you have to keep the lines of communication open. It is. It really – like it sounds so cliche, but no, it's like it, some it things right. when they sound so cliche, it's just because it's true. There's a reason why they sound There's cliche. There's a reason that it's a cliche and it's exactly that. It's yeah. like having those, those conversations yeah. and not through a text, not through an email, you know? Like right. I just got – right before we started this podcast, I got a an email that I – you know, I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Like – you couldn't have called me for that. Right. You could like – We couldn't have had a conversation you, you about this. You should have yeah. called me. And, you know, I'm sure we all get those all the time. Yeah. And it's just – it's like however busy this industry is and the number of other reasons, like it really behooves people to just remember that we're dealing with human beings right. at the end of the day who have fears, who have right. emotions well, and are just – we're human. Exactly. And I think, you know, that – to your point, it's like they have – everybody has fears and everybody has worries and they have these doubts – and especially just because with all of these unknowns and in, in our industry, trying to put those fears at ease should be everybody is going to benefit from that. If we're everybody. not, yeah, yeah. And and to your point, like a lot of clients sit there and say, okay, there's going to be a slow season. I know that there's a slow season. What can we do if there's a slow season on influencer side or on a brand side? Everybody's they've got the same goal. They all want. Exposure, being a conversation and awareness. And the influencers oftentimes I find are, if you hit the right ones, they're, they're willing to like have that conversation of, you know, this is a slower time for me, but what can we do to make this a longer term partnership and all those different conversations. And for me, it's with, you know, in terms of influencer marketing for travel, oftentimes that's not paid. You know, and, and that is, that's an interesting conversation to have right now, especially with everything that's happening just in terms of the travel space. And, you know, how are we going to get that content from influencers or from content creators? And so it's also getting very creative and putting those clients at ease on these very touchy subjects and conversations and putting the influencers at ease and saying, projects will pick back up next year, but right now this is where we're at or, you know, Whatever the case may be. I just have this theory that like everybody these days is like absolutely riddled with anxiety. Yes. And it's just like, it's like one anxious person dealing with another anxious person, which like escalates the anxiety to even yes. like more than having one, only one person with it. And like, I think that has to be that conversation at 100%. least. 100%. Has to just be addressed and acknowledged. Yeah. Uh, that's just what I've observed. I It's so funny that you say that because last night I put up both stuff and I was like, okay, here are my five things that I'm doing just to avoid. And I hate the phrase Sunday scaries, but there's it's relatable. It's a relatable topic. Everybody sees the phrase and they're like, nope, I get it. I understand. And I think when I put that up, it was interesting to see what people were writing and saying that they were doing because I have a no social media after nine o'clock on Sunday nights. That it's just something I have to do for myself because when you're also managing other accounts and while I do have a fantastic team member that jumps in and looks at it, there's been some stuff going on that I'm like, you know what, coronavirus with my with my travel client, I'm like, I I want to be a bigger part of that. Um, and I just need to check DMs and, and everything. But you find that you your anxiety is skyrocketing on a Sunday. And so, you know, I'm not sitting there saying take a bubble bath like and read a book and have a glass of wine, but just do something for yourself that you can actually shut down because we're so connected and we are going 100 miles an hour. And the second I feel like five o'clock on a Sunday rolls around, your anxiety is through the roof. And that anxiety is going to take you all the way through the entire week. 
Maybe on Saturday, you finally got your nerves to calm down just a little bit. But I, you know, it it is, it's, I feel like we live in a very high anxiety society, especially because of what we're doing, because it is an unknown. And I was actually on a call on a Thursday with a girlfriend of mine that has recently moved, I guess not recently, but two years ago, moved out to um, LA and she works for startups. And we were just talking, she's in startup wellness space. And we were just talking about how we could kind of, you know, work together. There's there's some synergies there with her new clients and mine. And uh, she was talking about how, you know, LA is so lovely and calm, but she just, she has a different work ethic because in New York, and I said, well, Sarah, you're missing the anxiety of living in New York and working in New York and doing all of this, you know, and I feel like it, it escalates even more uh, at times. It does. I mean, it really truly does. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's a, it's a conversation that really truly at least needs yeah. to be addressed and had. It's like, cause I think it's kind of the perfect storm of things. Like, I think it is a societal thing. I think it's like the state of the world, not to be like an alarmist, but like there's crazy stuff going there's on in the crazy world. Stuff. <laughs> there's legitimately crazy stuff going on in the world. And yeah. the nature of just social media that it's just a 24 seven thing. Right. You know, 100%. Um, and like that, in itself, like, I just think people need to be cognizant of it. So to get yeah. ahead of it, um, because I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people just generally. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. About the industry, and they use the word that you used maybe mm-hmm. 30 minutes ago, which yeah. is burnout. Yes. Or the phrase, yes. it's a little bit burnout, you know? Well, and, you know, that is, I openly admit, I hit burnout and I hit it any. A very hard, horrible way, and I was not—I was not myself. And Can I, you talk and, a little bit about that? Yeah, I. Um, and I think this—you know—my lesson is that taking a career for a specific salary, a career change, I should say, for a specific salary, does not mean you are going to be happier. There is a reason why someone is willing to pay. Even you might be the most talented person, but if you know in the industry that that salary increase. Is like, why are they hiring for this role at that, at that rate? And I gave six weeks notice to my former employer, had a, a wonderful parting with them. Great. They were super encouraging of me going over to this new role. I went over to the new role and two weeks in, I was like, this is why I, I was basically chained to my desk. It was a very toxic work environment. I think you take an opportunity. Also, I was very curious to go back to an agency, a smaller agency, more boutique agency, because they were working with luxury travel clients. And that was what I wanted to do. So I was like, this is a good fit. I basically went into a zoo, if you if you will. But you just, I think my biggest takeaway from that is that money will never buy you happiness. Um, it will never pay for your happiness. You will end up, I, I ended up just exhausted at all. The clients were not great. You know, and if there's a reputation behind an employer, you probably want to listen to that reputation. And, you know, that goes back to my biggest thing because I've crossed paths with a few individuals that were from that agency now and be nice. Like you have to be nice in this industry. You need to like nurture your relationships. You need to nurture those friendships. Even those frenemies, whoever you, you know, might not necessarily get along with, figure out a way to hit common ground because it's a small industry. It is a very small industry. I mean, I started my career out talking about kitchen appliances, you know, and luxury kitchen appliances, if you will. And this is where I am now. But I actually ran into two people recently that I, you know, had worked with in that capacity and I'm hosting an event at one of their properties now. And so it's like, you just never know where, where kind of like that circle goes, but burnout is real. And, and it hit me very much, um, have to be cognizant of kind of like what your bandwidth is and how much you can take on. You do, you really do. And I don't know, I think, do you think that some of that just comes with age experience? Like how did you learn that yourself? Um, and just it, having good people around you. I, I think, who, like, truth, checked you. Truthfully, it was my it was my my support system and my my friends. Everybody kind of knew I was not happy. Um, I went 
uh, my sister was getting married that year and I went on a trip to go look at she was getting married in destination. And so I went with her and my mom and they were both like, what is going on? You're, you don't look like yourself. Like you look exhausted. I probably slept 13 hours one day on the trip. And, you know, and it's when those are not normal signs of who you are, Mm -hmm. I think that there's like a red flag that gets flown. And you say also for me, I was, I remember I would leave work and I would call my mom or my sister, I'm incredibly close to both of them. They're both female um, owners of their own businesses as well. And so kind of just naturally runs in our family. But I remember I'd get on the phone with them and I saw, continue to see like a pattern. I was very negative about the work environment that I was in and it was making me a negative person. And I'm not a negative person. Like, I don't think you can be when you can't be a pessimist when you want to run your own business, right? Sure. And you can't really be a pessimist in PR or anything that we do. And I also just like to kind of like surround myself with like very optimistic individuals, but everybody at the company was very negative and like very down and just not happy. And that had rubbed off on me. And all of a sudden I was like, I wasn't sleeping. The burnout is incredibly real. And not to say that running your own business, as you know, is any easier, but there are different things that keep you up at night and, you know, and it might be your excitement for a new business pitch or a new campaign that's launching for a client or, oh, I'm so excited about X, Y, and Z. It's more about the excitement and the thrill of it as opposed to the dread and the anxiety that goes into going to a place that you you know you're just not happy at. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think, I feel like there was nobody that told me it was okay in my 20s to leave and to change a career. Like when you start out at a large agency, everybody's like, this is your course. This is what you're going to do. You're going to start here as an account coordinator. You're going to be here for 15 years. And then you're going to be an executive vice president. And you go, you just planned my life out for me. That that gives me anxiety. I like the thrill of being able to evolve and ebb and flow and work with unique clients and different clients and, and everything. But yeah. We were we were actually, there was a conversation in the WIM Facebook group just about a week ago, uh-huh. similar to what you were talking about. Um, the question was posed, you know... Is it really how do how would you look at a resume these days of someone bouncing around every year? I, year right, I saw this conversation. Years, yes, right. <laughs> and you know, people had varying opinions, but the majority of it was like no one's staying anywhere for their entire career. That's right. like unheard of. Right, and in addition. You know, there act there can actually be pros to seeing somebody who you know was able to speak up for themselves right. or identify self awareness to know that like this just isn't the right fit right. for me or you know for so many different reasons where it actually could be a positive right. Um, so you know, interesting to sort of see that you were able to come to that place. Yeah. But coming from a family of female entrepreneurs (laughs) and having worked for such a significant amount of time for other people, what finally made you make the switch? I, you know, my my mom and my sister are two incredible uh, kind of like rocks in my life. They've always been incredibly supportive and you know, I think that's one of the biggest things is you have to find your support system. For a long time, I had said, this is not right. This is not what I want to do. I don't know what I want. And in your 20s, you're going, I don't know what I want to do. And the world is kind of your oyster, but it's also, I've got a consistent income. And, you know, there's different things that are, you know, very alluring to staying in somewhere. Yeah, it's a great role. It's a great title. Yeah. It's, you know, it comes with prestige. Exactly. and things. You know, when I when I decided to go on my own, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do consulting for, or, you know, maybe I'll just do con- contract work until I figure it out. Truthfully, I picked up my two clients and I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do and I'll, I'll figure it out. And then four years later, it's I've figured it out and it just took me a little while to do that, but I would not have been able to do it if I did not have the support system of the two of them and also... You know, my mother's owned her clothing business, her clothing store. She'll kill me for saying this, but for 30 years in Dallas. And my sister has an incredibly successful hair and makeup business and has a team of nine that's down in Dallas. And, you know, without being able to see like the successes of them and their encouragement for me to, you know, test different, you know, different routes and, and, you know, different projects, they've always just been very, very understanding of, Hey, you know what? 
you want to do something that makes you happy, you're going to figure it out. It'll all work itself out. We're here, you know, for the good and the bad. And, and I have friends that are here as well that do that. And I've surrounded myself with a number of female entrepreneurs here in New York, which I've been incredibly, incredibly fortunate for. Um, so I think that that helps. You know, I don't, I don't think that I could have evolved this business to where it is. And, and they all work in different industries for the most part. One is a bespoke men's suiting brand, but she sits with me and we bounce ideas off of each other and, you know, we'll review each other's decks. And, you know, it, it's just nice to, when you can find kind of that, that synergy with other individuals, whether they're in the same industry or not, but you can, you can rely on them and, and they kind of become your work wives when you work for yourself, you I know? I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So like, what kind of qualities do you look for though in those female entrepreneurs? I mean, there's so many out there. Like, what really resonates with you? Like, who is your work wife? Yeah. No, no, no. I, you know, I think it's, and my 25 year old self would probably like laugh at this, but I'm, it's all about energy. It is. It's, I need to be around somebody that's upbeat and that's positive and that is incredibly driven. I think that that was one of the other things I found when I was in different agency roles was that everybody get, was very complacent. Nobody was super driven to, to really move and drive business in a new direction. They, they weren't trying to educate themselves. And, and like I said earlier, um, to you, I think this was before we even got on the podcast is, I listen to a number of podcasts that are educational for this industry because there's so much that's constantly changing. And I like to be able to find, you know, similar individuals like that in my, in, in kind of like my little like work network, if you will. Um, that can you are, name, can you name a couple podcasts that you listen to? Yes. So actually, um, well, I listen to James, um, four card, uh, drink with James. I just, whether you're, whatever side of the industry that you're on, mm -hmm. um, I think it's just incredibly insightful. Mm -hmm. Um, and look, he's sometimes he just like, says what he wants to with like no holds bar and and I respect that about him. I'm I'm a very transparent person as well. I listen to social media marketing daily. You know, I think look, not every single conversation that they have pertains to what I need to do. So, you know, I might skip over it from here or there, but a lot of times there's some sort of interesting takeaway that you can that you can get from that. Clearly I listen to women. I'm an influencer marketing whim because we need we needed this a long time ago. This is an evolving industry and and we desperately need this. But yeah, I, I feel like I've got like a we were just talking about how many podcasts I listen to, but I would say like those are probably my three top like industry specific ones that I'm listening to right now. Those are really good ones. There's one also, there's another one through four card where the head of marketing there interviews influencers. Yes. But I'm familiar with the one with James. I have watched that on YouTube. On before. YouTube. Yeah. 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 I, I find, you know, and it's funny because I think at one, at, during some portion of one of his recent ones, he was like, you guys don't have to watch my face. And I was like, well, I've only been listening to the podcast. <laughs> like I, re I respect it, but I'm because you know, I'm running around or I'm going to client meetings or I might be on a plane somewhere or even just subway, you know, I, it's easier to plug into a podcast and, and listen Same. to it that way. But yeah, I feel like that there's just, there's so much to learn in our industry and there's so much to stay on top of. And so for me, it's just, it's kind of like trying to find that drive and to, to maintain like that enthusiasm and, and saying, okay, I need to keep up with this. I need to know what's going on. Like I am diligently trying to talk clients off the TikTok platform, like not talk them off of it, but they don't need to be on it. Like we've secured their, their, their names and their handles, but trying to explain to them, like, you don't have to be on every single platform. And so right now I'm listening to a couple of different, and I've read a couple of different, you know, things which we're just having an open conversation, but I need statistics to back it up. Like, you don't have to do this. Like, W Hotels has secured their handle. They're not a client of mine, but I'm using them as an example. But, you know, they've secured their handle, but nobody knows what's happening with TikTok right now. Like, we know, we know that there's a big industry for it, but it's not an industry for everyone. And so it's, it's funny because I just feel like sometimes you need those like little like innuendos and those little news nuggets to be able to say like, no, this is my backup here. <laughs> yeah. No, but I love that you're also just talking about data and just like generally educating yourself. Mm -hmm. And like, while I'm personally most uh, engaged by people who are also entrepreneurs, right. I think anybody, whether you're working for yourself or anybody else, 100%. I was having this conversation with someone just the other day and, you know, like, 
maybe it was just my mentors taught me. Let's say you think that you deserve a raise, right? Right. And there's a couple different ways to approach it. A lot of people would just walk into a room and just say like, I've worked here for X amount of time and I've worked my butt off and, you know, all of those sorts of similar reasons, I deserve a raise. I was taught that that that's not ever the approach. Right. never the effective approach. What I was taught by my mentors is to produce data, to say I'm invaluable actually because I've produced X. I've educated myself that like this is actually a direction we should go into, Mm -hmm. thinking outside the box, like driving the business, being fearless, but most specifically providing backup and uh, and and showing how you've actually moved right. the needle and how right. you'll continue to move the needle. Right. And so, you know, I guess I, I just – I bring that up just because I think that it's so important to constantly be educating ourselves and being able to cite those things with confidence because it's – when things are black and white, there's no arguing against it. Right. It's going to be the strongest argument you'll ever have. And to your point, I guess you're talking specifically about TikTok – Sometimes the data shows the opposite of maybe what you went right. in, you know, uh, originally thinking. Right. And sometimes you're like, all right, well, TikTok's the new thing. So, yeah. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go and investigate TikTok and the chatter out there is all that like, it's, it's the thing to do and everybody's on it and there's so much chatter. Right. But sometimes the, the data shows that actually that chatter doesn't work for you. Right. Right. Well, especially when you're working with, you know, I've definitely have kind of honed in on a niche clientele where they're primarily in the luxury sector. You know, their clients, their potential clients that we're trying to drive awareness of our services and our brand to um, are not on TikTok. And it's great if we've got a potential influencer partner who has a huge following on TikTok. That's amazing. Let's, you know, let's utilize that. We'll figure that out when we get there. But that doesn't mean that we need to be investing a significant amount of money um, into creating an entire TikTok campaign. And, and I think oftentimes, as we see with so many clients, is well, we see the influencers that we want to work with are doing X, Y, and Z. How do we do the exact same thing? And, and if they're on TikTok, like how are we capitalizing on that? And what, what should our strategy be there? And it's like, I remember I was at a alt summit, God, a million years ago at this point, but um, someone got up there and, and I can't remember what her name is, but um, it'll come to me at the most inopportune time. But she um, she said, you know, don't try to be on th- more than three platforms at one time, like where you're really prioritizing it. You're going to overextend yourself. And after that, I just, you know, that has been a very long time, you know, a number of years ago, but it's something that I still send and tell my clients is let's focus on what makes the most sense for us and and what makes the most you know whether depending on what we're working on you don't have to be everything to everyone you can't we're not unicorns it's just not and you know we as female entrepreneurs try to be everything to everyone so oftentimes in our career but with my clients I'm like let's really focus in on the channels that we that we need to build awareness and and drive those sales and and potential new clients through and and you know the demographic on TikTok is is young, and yes, it's growing. And there's actually like a very interesting financial advisor that's probably in her fifties, and she's on TikTok and she's killing it. But you know that's she's got a niche, and she found that niche. But I think you know with with my clients, it's depend it's dependent on who they are and who their demographic is. As with all of our clients, you know what makes the most sense for them. I think yeah. I mean to your point, I think the key thing that I picked up by wholeheartedly agree with is like you have to live in a space for a while to like really maximize it to its fullest capacity right and you know i don't know some people approach work as you know multitasking mavens right (laughs) and you know just like they're like i'll do a little of this a little of that and i'm so guilty of that i don't even want to pretend otherwise (laughs) 
But if I examine the idea, I've always seen more, uh, just more progress when you're right. really living in a handful of spaces. When right. you're really focused in on a few, you can really develop them so much further than if oh, you're exactly. dabbling there. Right. And it's like, I don't know. It's like when I get a new <laughs> me, I don't know if anybody relates to this, but like when I get a new iPhone, like when a new iPhone comes out, like I never get it when it first comes out. Like I wait a little bit no. for all the bugs to be exactly like, gotten out. And like, you know, there's inevitably some sort of press around like this didn't work, that didn't work. Right. And you wait a little bit. How other people be the guinea pigs. Exactly. I don't be a guinea pig. <laughs> right? And exactly. I mean, so, sometimes I guess it's not bad to be the guinea pig, but I 100% agree with you on that. Like, yeah. 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 And I think that, um, I don't know. I, I I will say this though, because we've talked about TikTok quite a bit. I feel like everybody's Oh, everybody about is. TikTok everybody is. Quite a bit. I will go on the record and say it's a great platform. Oh, no. It's an amazing, it's an amazing platform. I love it. I, I, it's, I have a client that has a wellness center out in the Hamptons and he's a dentist here in the city and we're ramping up to start doing content with him and we're, we could not be more excited mm-hmm. because it's interesting, engaging content that he would be creating on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And he, I think it's his personality. Like that's a great platform for him to capture this new audience. There's a health and wellness aspect to it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think we've needed something outside of just Instagram. We've, we've been bogged down by the likes and, you know, the constant changing of the algorithm and, and everything. But I think it's, it feels new and fresh. And I think that that's the reason why there's so much excitement behind it. Agreed. And, and I think we in our industry just, it's a matter of looking at like, how can we get smarter about our partnerships and, you know, what can we be doing with this platform? What's unique and different? And I was with um, an agent the other day and they've, signed a number of TikTok, um, TikTokers. And, and I was like, this is great. I, I can't wait until I have a client that can potentially work with you. But, you know, for the time being, it's as it has been, I feel like for, you know, what we've been doing for so long, it's kind of feels like the wild, wild west where you have to ease clients into saying, make this investment here. This is how it's going to pay off. And we're kind of going, okay, we think we know how it's going to pay off and, and we feel confident in our direction and our recommendation, but, we just we have to continue creating unbelievable content for clients and and you know who are those partners that we're doing it with and i don't know it's exciting to be a, to be in the forefront of you know another social media platform because i remember when we were all you know getting our first twitter accounts and for clients and our first instagram accounts for clients and you know what what does that look like and so you know what what does that first tiktok post look like and it's it's interesting, like trying to navigate around uh, that with with a variety of different clients. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And but I agree with you. And that's one of the you know when things get uh, busy and stressful, it is nice to be able to like fall back and say like it is exciting yeah. to be in an industry where you know things are constantly evolving and changing, and like. Um, because anybody can get complacent. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Anybody. So it's a matter of just surrounding yourself with people that like re-energize you. Yeah, no, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah I exactly. love that so much. So I can't believe how fast this time I know. <laughs> and I have so many other questions. Maybe we'll have you back on. Yeah, no, on absolutely. Podcast. Absolutely. I would love that. I would love that too. So we ask this question of everybody on the podcast. What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or personal advantage today? So I think, you know, if there was one piece of advice that I wish that somebody, particularly a mentor, had uh, given me, it was that it was okay to leave corporate America, you know, and and try something on my own. I think when I got into the company that I, companies that I worked for, they were amazing, but they were very much secure and stable. And even though I think there were a number of individuals that knew I wasn't happy, it was, oh, but Ashley, you've got such a great job. And I was like, I know I have a great job, but at the end of the day, I don't really know if this is the fit for me. And, um, and I think having that encouraging mentor that, you know, I was working with on a day to day basis to be able to tell me that, you know, go try, do, you can always come back. I mean, I get emails on a fairly regular basis, you know, hey, are you looking to go back to a full-time job? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like not right now at this moment in time, that's not what my goal is. But, you know, I think 
I just wish that somebody had said, you know, in my 20s, look, like you need to get your experience, but then you can go, go to a smaller company, go to a smaller agency. But I, when I first started, it was, you need to have the stability of a long-term career in, a, in one place and da, da, da. And to your point earlier, you know, with the Facebook conversation that we were all having, you you don't need that. Like I want somebody that's got, if they're going to work for me, I want somebody that's got you know, a variety of experience has maybe had their hands in a couple of different things and is a go-getter. And, you know, to be able to show that, I think in this day and age, it goes so much further, but I think that there's still like that kind of old school mentality and hesitation of individuals that are graduating from college where they say, okay, you know, I need to be somewhere for four years or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see more women in particular give each other permission. Yes. And just say, you know, like you can do it. Just encourage each other. Well, and that, you know, I think that that's what we need more of. And that's the reason why I love the Facebook group that we, that we have and and the community that we have, because everybody's very encouraging. Like we're not in it as competitors. We're in it, you know, to really build an industry and really build a name for us as females that are, you know, kind of this driving force in a very new industry. I mean, this is a very new industry in comparison to some, some other, you know, more traditional industries. And, and we're all kind of like carving names for ourselves, but carving names for the industry as well. And it's, I just think it's so important to have that community, you know, and to, to be able to support each other. I love that so much. Yeah. And that's definitely what WIM strives to be, yeah, absolutely. you know, so to always take advantage of that, you know, to go and be that for somebody else because you were talking about energy and whatever. I'm one of those. I talk a lot about energy. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I, was well. like, I was like, I know who I'm talking That's to. We're well. good. <laughs> so I think that, you know, what you put out there is absolutely always what you get back. Exactly. Um, and, you know, look, like when things get stressful, it always feels really good to just be there for some other, for someone right. else too. Right. I feel it's a win-win for everybody. Right. No. And, you know, I one of the things that I try to do is look at who are – individuals that I can also work with, you know, and, and reach out and say, Hey, this is not an opportunity for me, but it's an opportunity for X, Y, you know, whomever else, or there was actually, you know, somebody that I was connected with in the whim group. And I said, look, I want to just connect with you because I've got a client that's executing on something out in the Hamptons later this spring, you represent you know, a certain type of influencer, let's work together, you know, like let's, let's partner in together and come to find out she also has a resort out there. So we're able to work together in a variety of capacities, but it's really all about finding that support system. You know, how can, how can you all kind of like work together for one greater goal of, you know, making your clients happy and building your business? Yep. 100%. So Thank you so much for being no, on No, thank you today. so much for having me. It was so nice. Such a pleasure. <laughs> Such, Such a pleasure. pleasure. <laughs> thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in.